Hey soccer fans, welcome back to the Feed the Fire podcast where we are talking all things Major League Soccer and the Chicago Fire. And speaking of the Chicago Fire, they announced their coaching staff for the 2024 season. We're going to break it down and be just a little critical of these coaching decisions because, you know what, hey, it's not like they can revoke our press credentials, right? Actually, that's going to lead into another news headline, so stay tuned after the break for that. We're also going to take a look at a major injury already to a Chicago Fire starter, and also join in on some of the stadium speculation that's been going on around Chicago. Stay tuned. Hey soccer fans, welcome back to Feed the Fire. I am your host, Nick. And as I alluded to prior to that sweet little intro music, there was a development with one of the Chicago Fire reporters and journalists who had been covering the team and who'd been covering a lot of Chicago soccer lately. Um, Adnan Besic had been covering the team. He wrote a very pointed and, and critical article of the Chicago Fire saying, why would you continue to support this team? I wouldn't go back to my, to the same mechanic if he kept doing the same thing and not fixing my car. Why would I keep supporting this team? And the Chicago Fire revoked his press credentials for being unprofessional over it. And I don't want to spend too much time because a lot of people have already voiced their dis disgust, really. I was going to say displeasure, their disposition, but their disgust, really, with the Chicago Fire organization and doing this to a reporter, uh, especially because mainstream news sources, major news outlets here in the city do not cover the Chicago Fire. Uh, and for someone who is so passionate about the, the sport someone who supported the club for many years and someone who covers soccer all over Chicago to lose their press credentials is a really bad look. But for the fire to specifically cite the article where he criticized the ownership and the management of the club, like that is just, I, gosh, it's just suppressing journalistic integrity, right? I understand businesses wanting to control the narrative around their club, but to call someone unprofessional and to kick them out of the room for being critical of them and not just being, I shouldn't say not just being critical, like he was critical. He wasn't being over the top. He wasn't saying anything unreasonable. He wasn't, you know, calling for people's heads, literally, or calling for rioting and protests and all this stuff. No, he was saying the Chicago Fire have underperformed for decades, and yet the current ownership wants to stay the course with all the people in the decision-making roles. That is legitimate criticism and a reasonable position. So what I think we all need to do as fire fans, I don't know, am I calling for a boycott? No, because I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. I'm not going to tell you not to go to the game, but if you really want to make a difference, then ignore the Chicago Fire Zone media. And honestly, it's easy to ignore their own media coming out of their website because it's just the most basic fluff that you will ever read. And we're going to read the, the press release on Frank Klopas' coaching staff and Carlos Turan's injury. Yep, that's right, Carlos Strong's injury. And you're going to see just how little actual substance there is in this stuff. And I've called it out before. But what you can do as Fire fans and supporters of local soccer and local journalism, go follow Adnan Besic, A-D-N-A-N-B-A-S-I-C-1-9, Adnan Besic 19 or Adnan Basic 19 
uh, and support him and all that he does. He, he covers the Chicago House. He covers a lot of the semi-pro and amateur leagues around here. Um, he'll probably be out to see Riverlight FC in Aurora, and I hope they welcome him because I always loved reading his pieces. It always made me feel like I, he was talking to me. It wasn't uh, something written above my head. It wasn't like terrible just blog let me spit out 500 words that an ai program could have done but he actually put some feeling and emotion into it and it felt like i was listening to him talk to me in the pieces so uh adnan good luck to you i'm sure you're gonna land on your feet i hope you keep up with the sad boys podcast and i and it's just a real real terrible thing that the chicago fire have done to a journalist um i haven't heard anything from the chicago fire side of it i doubt they would say anything but it doesn't seem like this is something far-fetched for them uh, doing something so petty as to get rid of credentials for someone who criticizes the team. Um, also, we've seen the Chicago Fire use news dump tricks, I'll call them, uh, to release bad news like George Heights and Sebastian Pelser and Frank Klopas all keeping their jobs or Klopas being named the actual coach. They usually do those like on a Friday afternoon news dump. Um, even, even the Carlos Tehran news was put out when was this uh wednesday morning 11 30 wednesday the 17th so um you know right in the middle of the week right before the big stuff gets gets put out for the weekend from around the league things like that so they know how to manipulate the news cycle and i think this is just another way of them trying to do it in a very very negative way and it does it is not a good look for the chicago fire whatsoever now moving on to another not so good look we all know that the chicago fire have uh elevated interim head coach frank klopas to head coach and manager uh for what how many times is this i am running out of fingers to count how many times frank klopas has been in charge of the chicago fire uh and what i'm not running out of is successful times i can count on my finger because that's a big zero uh but anyway here's the press release from january 19th about their new coach and his coaching staff. Head coach Frank Klopas today announced his first team coaching staff for the 2024 Major League Soccer season. Klopas has hired Paulo Nagamura and Carlos Garcia as assistant coaches, and Ryan Needs has been appointed as the team's set-piece coach. Nagamura, Garcia, and Needs will join goalkeeping coach Zach Thornton and video analyst Theodorus Antonopoulos, yeah, I anglicized that, sorry, and Jeff DeGroot on the first team coaching staff. Theodoros Antonopoulos there. I feel better saying it with the correct accent. Uh, CJ Brown and Nicolos Costenoglu will not return to the coaching staff this season. Brown will transition to a new grassroots soccer role with the fire, while Costenoglu and the club have agreed to mutually part ways. More details on Brown's new position with the club will be shared at a later date. All right, so a little bit to unpack there here. Let's dive into it, and then I'll finish up my thoughts on the rest of this press announcement. So we have assistant coach Paulo Nagamura, who played in the MLS from 05 to 2016. He did spend a 2010 season with T. Grace in League MX. He's been coaching in MLS in 2017, started out with Swope Park Rangers, later SKC2. Uh, so he's always been an assistant for the last five years, six years. Uh, and then in 2022, excuse me, he was Houston's head coach. I don't know what he did in 2023. So he was an assistant with SKC2 for five seasons or so, was Houston's head coach in 2022, was let go after that season, after a terrible season. Um, 
And I have no idea what he did in 2023. That's not the press release. It's not in his Wikipedia page. And, uh, you know, it's already past my bedtime. I didn't need to go digging through to find out what Paulo Nagamura was up to last year. But I don't think it was much with Major League Soccer or coaching at the professional level. Uh, I don't see this as a hire that gets me excited. I don't even see this as a hire that I think is a good hire. He was... He failed to meet expectations in, in Houston, and if you go back and find the announcement from the club, it's like, oh, he was great, and a great person, and hard worker in this commitment, but we had to part ways because he didn't win. Like That's pretty much their press release. And it, it could be argued, though, that with that Ben Olsen coming in, there's a shakeup in management. I don't think there was a shakeup in ownership, but a shakeup in management, they wanted their own guy. Okay, maybe that's a fair assessment as to why Nagamura didn't get a second shot at it. Uh, but at the same time, when you have such a terrible record, especially in the Western Conference in 2022, you're not doing something right. You could not win that locker room. You could not get the players to buy in. And the fact that it took Ben Olsen and Hector Herrera to go from one of the worst teams in the Western Conference to, you know, on the verge of a trophy, right, with the U.S. Open Cup there, and then playing well in, in League's Cup, I believe, and really kind of renewing the vigor within the Houston Dynamo community, they weren't that far off, as most clubs aren't that far off in, in Major League Soccer, just the way that parity is really baked into the culture of the league right now. So it doesn't give me a lot of confidence that all it took was a different coach and a DP, and all of a sudden... You know, they're they're playing with some of the best teams in the Western Conference. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but a lot better than what Nagamura was doing. Also, I don't know what his relationship is with Frank Klobos. I assume there was some kind of brotherhood of assistant coaches, and heck, maybe Frank has just felt bad for the guy and said, Hey, come on in. I'm probably not going to get more than another year myself, so why don't you come on in and uh, I'll get you a paycheck for a while. Kind of what he did with Kostenoglu last season. I don't see this as being a, a, a good hire. I don't see this as being a long-term thinking kind of hire. Heck, Paulo might get a second shot at being head coach of Frank Bombs this season, and they let him go. I will caveat all of that with the fact that I haven't followed Paulo Nagamura's career. I have not been into the Houston Dynamo or what he had been doing with SKC2, though throughout that time, SKC2 did have uh, some decent players that they brought into the league. So maybe this is kind of a player development kind of a move. Uh, however, if that is the case, I don't know why he's the assistant under Frank. He should be in a more specific player development role. Okay, moving on. I don't want to have this be another hour-long episode like last week. Uh, but I appreciate everyone who listens to all of it each and every week. Um, the next assistant coach, Carlos Garcia, he actually played mostly in Spain in his professional career between the top flight and the second division. Uh, his career lasted about uh, 16 seasons, 2002 to 2017. Last handful of seasons he played in Israel and Turkey. Uh, his coaching experience goes back to 2017 as well, where he was an assistant with Maccabi Tel Aviv in Italy, uh, an assistant with Chongqing Dangdai Lifan. I have no idea where that is. I'm assuming it's the Chinese league. He was an assistant for the Ecuador national team, an assistant with Shenzhen in China, an assistant, or I'm sorry, head coach with Baitar Tel Aviv Batyam in Israel, and most recently an assistant coach with Udinese. So, been all over in his assistant, looking for that landing spot, I guess. 
I really like the uh, experience as an assistant coach with Ecuador uh, at, at a higher level, at a more demanding level, uh, at a level where you don't get a lot of time to really work with players. Uh, they kind of just come in for their international camps from their clubs. So I think that experience will serve him well. However, Israel, China, and you know Udinese does stand out as him progressing. But again, I don't know how he knows Klopas, Heights, or Pelzer, or if they just kind of reached out to a wide range of coaches similarly if, if that was the case maybe with uh, Nagamura um, just coaches without jobs they reached out to but I'm not sure what he's going to bring to the Chicago Fire I don't I really I don't know their histories enough and I haven't seen anything written about these guys where it can be said that oh man if anything Nagamura is going to make sure that that defensive back line is set and communicating, you know, like what C.J. Brown and Ezra Hendricks did in the 2022 season. They made sure that they had a focus on defense. I don't know what anyone can say about Carlos Garcia. Man, his time in Israel, he really learned this or that, or he really learned how to draw up this particular tactic or play with a 3-5-2 versus a uh, four, three, two, one, or whatever the case is, right? I don't know any of that. I haven't seen any of it written. It just seems like the Chicago Fire management and hiring these head coach and assistant coaches is just saying this year's a wash. Like we don't have the players, maybe we don't have the coaching staff, maybe, and it's, we're just gonna hire who we can get to actually have a staff and call ourselves a professional staff. I don't like it. The only thing that I really see that they bring are just the hands to hold Frank Klopas's magnet board. Because we, we saw he didn't take the opinions of his assistants very seriously last year, at least. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we mentioned C.J. Brown being moved into a front office role, a grassroots soccer role, with details to be announced later. To me, when they say details will be announced later, that either the Chicago Fire are like, hey, you know what, this would be cool, Like we're, we're kind of thinking of something new, they're building off the discovery camps, where it's like tryouts for U8 and U10 kids to try and identify talent, guide them to get into the academy system kind of a thing, which I think is fantastic. Those discovery programs look really cool, and I'm hoping I can get my son in there in the next couple of years to see it and get evaluated by some fire coaches. Um, that's what I hope this is. But my pessimism, my just general pessimism around all things Chicago Fire, uh, as well as the fact that this coaching staff has been such a disappointment over the last few seasons and management really hasn't done anything to improve it, uh, I really think this was a, hey, C.J. Brown, we, we can fire you or we don't want to fire you. So now let me restate this here because I got my lawyer gears working here, my employment HR lawyer gears working here. It's like, hey, we're going to fire you or you can take this other job. And like they're just trying to do right by by their former player, their former great, and, and by an employee, right? That's, that's one thing. The other thing is we want to fire this guy, but we don't have grounds to do it. So in order to avoid a lawsuit, we're going to give him the choice of this front office role, this new grassroots soccer position, uh, because if you don't even have the details of it, like how, what, what are you doing? Like you've got this great new position, your season starts in less than a month, and you're like, ah, uh, we don't know what his job description is, guys. This is a new position. What are they doing? Now, again, getting back to the lawyer in me, the HR employment lawyer, it's well, 
we want to fire him, but we don't have grounds. So we're going to offer him this other position. That way, if he turns it down, then we're scot-free. We can say, sorry, then we have nothing else for you. We're mutually terminating your contract, and you know you can't sue us for breach of contract, discrimination, violations of whatever federal or state labor laws, anything like that. So that's like my, my lawyer pessimism going on right here. Now, it had been rumored that C.J. Brown was forced into this role, but no one has ever confirmed it. In fact, um, the men in red have said that this was a position that C.J. had wanted or was offered and took and helped develop. Um, but speaking of, you know, not wanting to lose press credentials, after a non-dismissal, I don't think the men in red are going to want to try to push any buttons of anyone in the Chicago Fire organization. So who knows who knows how they're going to, uh, you know, approach that topic. Again, I'm not trying to question their reporting, but that's just, you know, something for everyone to keep in mind as these stories develop about this rotating coaching staff here, right? Um, at least CJ is still going to be with the club and hopefully his opinions are put in place and taken seriously when it comes to player development here. Um, additionally, we hear that there is Ryan Needs, who is the new set piece coach, and he has spent his entire professional life in soccer. Like here, I'm, I'm looking at his LinkedIn profile right now. He started, uh, wow, way back when as a youth soccer coach. Look at that, South Bend, Indiana, junior Irish. Holy cow, I used to play against them when I was playing club soccer in Northwest Indiana. When I played for NWI United, we used to go out to South Bend and play in the junior Irish tournament. Um, I hated those guys. I really hated them. They were, they were just everything wrong with youth soccer, a uh, bunch of fo football washouts playing soccer and playing in their home tournament. Uh, of course, they got every call, got the first round buys, all that good stuff. So yeah, hated the junior Irish soccer club in their tournament, but that's where Ryan Needs got his start way back in 2008, coached at Bethel College as a youth soccer coach, coached at UK Elite, then makes the jump in 2013 to the big time to Swansea City Football Club, formerly of the Premiership now. I think they're still in uh, the English Championship. I don't know if they dropped down another division, but he was an academy coach, a performance analyst there, then moved to Leeds United as head of performance analysis and set pieces. And that's when we start to see set pieces pop up on his resume. He was a head of performance analysis and coach for Middlesbrough and then went to Birmingham City, assistant coach, tactical analyst, Sheffield Wednesday, assistant and set piece coach. And then last season ends up back here in the States with Detroit City FC of the USL Championship as their assistant coach. So he is, but he has made his name as the set piece coach. That's what stands out. That's why the Chicago Fire brought him in. I like that the Chicago Fire are bringing in a set piece coach. This is something we're seeing with a lot of the bigger clubs. It's it's a modern a part of the modern game. You need to have specialized practices and drills and coaching for set pieces and what you want to achieve both offensively and defensively. So I like that the Fire did this and they needed something more than the last couple of years where it's like, I don't know, whip a ball to the back post, maybe uh, Chihos can deflect it back to the middle and we can knock it in. Or let me just play a ball to the near post and someone can flick it on. I hate, I hate corner kicks to the near post, guys. I hate it so much. And when I do some film breakdowns during the season of, of plays during the game, you're going to hear me say it. I'm going to say, put it in the mixer. Put it in the middle of the box. Put it right around where that PK spot is. Between that PK spot 
that 12-yard spot and the 6-yard spot. Right in there is where I want to see big dudes like Tehran and Sulquist going up and getting that ball and knocking it into the back of the neck net. I don't want to see... Let me, like, kind of dink it to the near post, let Haile Selassie flick it over, and then maybe uh, Kutsias can, can get a rebound or, or an odd look or something. But you know what? Let Barlow mix it up and get in there. And if you still got Shabilko on the roster, let him. He's a tall enough guy. He can redirect something like that. Let him get in the mixer. Really glad they got a set piece, Coach. The only take, like my only takeaway, I was looking for stuff on the other side to see any drawbacks of hiring uh, needs as the coach here. Couldn't find any statistics exactly on point, but for what it's worth, Detroit City only had one goal directly from a free kick last season. That's a direct kick into the goal, not as a result of a set piece, and seven from outside the box. So I don't know how much that correlates to free kick successes, but for what it's worth, um, you know, their, their set piece scoring didn't come from any direct free kicks. I'll, I'll, that I will say with confidence. Defensively, I didn't see how Detroit City stacked up, but I would imagine uh, it's got to improve with, with him here with the Chicago Fire. We mentioned Zach Thornton remains the goalkeeper coach. At, at least there's a brain cell operating somewhere in the Chicago Fire management front office that they didn't get rid of Zach Thornton. And that's all I'll say about that, because his work with Chris Brady and Gaga Slonina and now with Brian Dowd, hopefully it's going to continue a long line of successful Chicago Fire goalkeepers. Also remaining on staff, Theodorus Antonopoulos, Theodorus uh, Antonopoulos, and Jeff Groot as video analysts. We saw Antonopoulos come on last season with Kostenoglu uh, at the request of Frank Lopas, which that blows my mind. He brings his two Greek buddies in and now gets rid of one of them, unless his hands were tied on that. Um... But we know Antonopoulos had coached around uh, Greece and Cyprus. Jeff DeGroote, however, looking at his uh, his resume here on, on LinkedIn, he played soccer here in Chicago for DePaul, um, has been a soccer coach at the various youth leagues and clubs, Elmwood Park High School, Schwaben, the Dayton Dutch Lions out in Dayton, Ohio, um, Hansa Soccer Academy here in Chicago, made the jump to kind of a more professional setting, a higher level setting, he coached the University of Chicago as an assistant coach uh, on the men's team there for several years, and most recently has been with the assistant. He's been in the assistant coach role at Loyola University of Chicago as um, as an assistant coach for the men's team there. That I should say that was his last non-Chicago Fire job. He went into the Academy, Chicago Fire Academy in 2017 and has now moved up to a video analyst role in 2021 and has stayed there and has now been officially named as part of Klopas's coaching staff. So I guess he's been around for a bit. I guess they have some faith in him. I'm not 100% certain what the video analyst does. Uh, if he is just taping games, putting together either highlight films, scouting films, um, hey, we need to work on this, work on that. Uh, but but suffice to say that he's proven himself within uh, the local Chicago scene as well as with the Chicago Fire. So I really can't pick this this hiring apart too much or this maintaining of of uh, a coach too much. Um, so I guess they they're liking what he what he has done. So that's that's my breakdown of the coaching staff here. Uh, and yeah, sorry about uh, 
uh, about DeGroote's like rambling on with his his resume. The only thing I could find was his LinkedIn profile. So we'll we'll keep that up. Um, but let's finish off this press release and then take a take our halftime break here. So this is now Frank Klopas speaking as to uh, his staff. Quote, I'm very pleased to have Paulo, Carlos, and Ryan join our first team coaching staff, said Klopas. They are all very talented and experienced coaches with diverse backgrounds, and I'm looking forward to working alongside them as we look to bring success to the fire in 2024. I'm also very supportive of CJ Brown's transition to a new role with the club and would like to thank CJ and Nicolas Costenoglu for all their contributions to the coaching staff. I wish them both nothing but the best for the future. As I mentioned early on in the show, what fluff there is no substance here and maybe maybe Klopas gave some quotes of substance during these recent press conferences or during these conferences where they announced this stuff um but then it, why isn't the media team actually putting that stuff in there that's the interesting stuff not i'm pleased to have a talented and diverse background group of coaches yeah all fluff nothing worthwhile uh the rest of the presser press release here outlines uh kind of what we already talked about the the coaching resumes of all of them it's a young staff too that's what's interesting Nagamura's 40 uh garcia's 39 needs is 35 holy crap these guys are younger than me nagamura oh i'm almost with nagamura it's a big 2024 is a big year for me that's all i'll say um and maybe i have to call these guys young guys just to make myself feel young too regardless I think it's a relatively young staff. You know, these aren't guys in their 50s who have years of experience who may have either been former head coaches uh, for a period of years or someone who's proven themselves as uh, a top assistant with a, with a big-name coach. Uh, so the, this is a, a young and relatively inexperienced group of coaches here. Um, and that is the end of that press release. Let's take a quick halftime break here. You guys go get yourselves a bottle of Skira water because Skira is Icelandic for clear and it comes from a spring in a government protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. Skira is not your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. And if you're driving around right now listening to this podcast, keep a lookout for a 7-Eleven. You know you're going to pass one. They're all over the place. Pop on in. Grab a couple, three bottles of Skira Icelandic spring water and make sure you stay hydrated, especially in the wintertime. You don't realize that you're sweating when you're in, under your layers of scarves and hats and gloves and coats and sweaters and t-shirts and long johns and everything. Make sure you stay hydrated. Go get a bottle or two or three of Skira Icelandic spring water. Now, getting back to our Chicago fire review here, the injury report that I mentioned Carlos Turan is now out after undergoing knee surgery. And here's the, here's the press release from January 17th. Chicago Fire FC today announced that defender Carlos Turan underwent a successful surgery on his right knee to address a tear in his meniscus. The surgery was performed by Chicago Fire FC Chief Medical Officer Jason Coe at the Endeavor Health Orthopedic and Spine Institute. Turan is expected to be sidelined for four to six weeks yeah, that sounds optimistic. Uh, the surgery was performed... No, oh, they didn't even spell check their, their own press release because that paragraph literally repeats itself. Okay. 
Uh, moving on. The, sh the Fire's preparation for the 2024 season is currently underway, with the team holding the first half of its preseason training camp in Bradenton, Florida, before traveling to California February 15th to 17th to participate in the Coachella Valley Invitational. And the rest is about the season opener and where you can buy tickets, because everything is about selling tickets, right? Uh, not about putting a quality product, not about treating the fans right, not about treating your players right here, apparently, because... I gotta wonder, when did Carlos Turan and the medical staff realize that he had this injury? I was talking with John Donovan earlier today, and, and he said, I noticed when there was a point in the season last year where Turan's play just changed. He wasn't running, he wasn't using his speed, he was just using his brute strength and just clearing the ball. And he had been criticized for not playing and distributing well from the back, either to the wings or over the top to the forwards. I think that moment in the season, and it was about midway through the season, or probably before League's Cup, I'd say, is when he aggravated this knee injury. And if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, this is similar, same injury to his one that uh, sidelined him in 2020, at the beginning of 2022, which allowed Wyatt Olmsberg to really step up and prove his worth to the Chicago Fire squad. So I want to know what the medical staff and what the coaching staff was doing and seeing at that time where they're like, dude, his his game has gone off. Why don't we give him an evaluation to see if it's something medical? So to me, that seems almost negligent, if not, if not almost reckless by the team to not recognize this. Because unless Tehran did something in his own off-season workouts, this had to have been a pre-existing condition with his time playing last season. And the only way I can see this not coming out is the is if Tehran and his agent and the fire all said, we need to sell, we need to move, we want to move, we want to go abroad, we want to make a jump to a bigger league, bigger paycheck. And the fire like, yeah, we'd like to cash in on some transfer fees from you. So let's just put this off until the offseason. But even if that was the case, why are you waiting until right before your preseason starts to do the surgery? Nothing really adds up here. And I think it was just a mishandling of, of everything on the part of the coaching staff, the medical staff, uh, the club as a whole when it comes to the transferring. I don't know if his agent had anything to do with it. I, I don't know who his agent is and what that reputation of that agent is. But we all know Teron wants to make a jump. And he, he needed to have a really good first half of the season. So this happening now raises a lot of questions for me that I don't think we'll ever get the answers to. But the fact remains, he is out for a minimum four to six weeks. And if you're going to come back and be a starting player uh, as a center back in a league like Major League Soccer, in a physical league like Major League Soccer, and if the Chicago Fire want to use him on set pieces as an offensive weapon... He's going to need probably closer to, I would say, 8 to 10 weeks. Again, I'm no doctor. When I had my ACL done, my surgery was in May, and I was back playing rec league in September. So, you know, for whatever that comparison is worth here, that's apples to oranges without a doubt. That's like apples to pineapples. Um, but still, I think four to six weeks is optimistic, and especially for him to be a full 90-minute starter... I mean, we're looking more 12-week time frame is what I would say. So this is a huge blow to the Fire's defense and probably what uh, Ryan Needs wants to do with his set-piece coaching. 
Now, real quick, uh, there's been a lot of news in Chicago about the professional sports teams and stadiums. We know the Bears have, have purchased the property in Arlington Heights, uh, the old racetrack there, and, are they, and they're still considering whether to develop it, um, renew it Soldier Field with some more concessions from the park, City Park District, who owns the stadium, or develop the South Lot into a brand new stadium, whatever the case is. The Bears have been driving the stadium talk for the last several years. Well, now the White Sox, seemingly out of nowhere, are driving the stadium talk. There is a neighborhood in Chicago called the 78. Uh, it is located right on the, the Chicago River there, the South Branch there. It is squeezed between the South Loop, Chinatown, uh, downtown the city, and the river, you know, by Little Italy, not too far from the tip of uh, Pilsen. And the Chicago White Sox are supposedly in, in advanced talks already to develop uh, and build a stadium there to move out of uh, so guaranteed rate park, whatever they're calling it now, um, right off of the highway. So that has led a lot of Chicago Fire fans to say, well, if the White Sox are moving out of the stadium on 95th Street, maybe we should get in there. How cool would it be to have a major soccer-specific stadium right off the highway that would be cool to drive by and see and then to develop that entire area around it everyone says they want to develop it and i think people in chicago have been a little jaded well maybe not jaded but their expectations have changed because of what wrigley field is done but you got to remember there's no parking at wrigley first of all um the commute there is a pain in the butt not as bad with where the Chicago White Sox currently play, but there's not a lot of room to really grow out and develop. Like you would have to start buying up a lot of different properties. Properties, and honestly, Joe Mansueto just brought the club back to Soldier Field. That was his whole big move, and the whole big marketing thing is, you know, we're we're coming back to Soldier Field to be downtown. Everyone's going to come here. It's going to drive up attendance. It's going to drive up notoriety. We're playing at Soldier Field. Well, now if you want to go to, to 95th Street, you want to go further south um, into an area where a lot of families aren't going to want to be at night. I don't think this is going to be a, a popular move at all. I don't think it's going to happen, and, and I'm really, I really don't want to speculate on it anymore. Yeah, the idea of building a brand new soccer-specific stadium within Chicago and developing a whole area around it with sufficient parking, public transportation, ease of ingress, egress things to do other than just go to the game and leave, that would be phenomenal. I just don't think it's going to happen where the Chicago White Sox are currently playing or in the 78, that if the White Sox don't get it, people are like, well, then the fire should go after it. Mansueto should go after it. Um, I don't think he's willing to invest like that right now. Uh, but also supposedly that, that property where the White Sox would build the stadium is already owned by someone who's working with the White Sox, so I don't know if there's an opportunity for anyone else to come in. Um, but that's my thoughts on that. It's fun to talk about, fun to speculate, but I don't want to give it too much more credit at this point. So now to wrap up the show, let's take a look real quick at the transfer tracker and all the moves around MLS. A couple of names here that you're going to recognize. Colorado Rapids. First of all, that's a name. Colorado Rapids acquire USMNT defender Sam Vines from Royal Antwerp. So Sam Vines coming back to Colorado. Also, Miguel Navarro of the Colorado Rapids has been loaned out. And uh, let's see if I can find what 
club, I believe he went to a South American club, they loan him out to. So as soon as they bring him in, they loan him out, which just cracks me up. I think that's just great. That even even the Rapids were like, nah, we don't want this guy. So Sam Vines comes back to Colorado. Uh, New York City signed their draft pick, Malachi Jones. St. Louis City loaned Miguel Perez to the Birmingham Legion, uh, hopefully to get him some more playing time down there. Houston Dynamo transfer Thorfield Ulfarsson to hung to a Hungarian club, so they're transferring Thor. That's that's an interesting move. I thought they they wanted to develop him a little bit. He seemed to have a future in in uh, MLS. Uh, Vancouver transfers Caio Alexandre to Fortaleza, so picking up a little transfer fee there. Atlanta United are tra- loaning out Santiago Sosa to Racing Club, uh, so they're kind of moving some money around with that loan. Keaton Parks gets a new contract with NYCFC. That's a solid move. Good MLS vet, someone who knows the club, someone who knows the city and the team. Uh, Solid move for NYCFC there. The Union signed Bolivian defender Jamir Berdicio. So I don't know much about him, but knowing the Union, another solid signing there. Um, let's see if there's anything else like that that are like big names other than just kind of rapid fire here. Dewan Jones gets a new contract with New England. The Timbers are signing Maxime Kerpo, most recently goalkeeper for LAFC. Uh, Atlanta United signed Polish midfielder Bartosz Slisz. Uh, so they are getting uh, another, let's see, is he an attacking option, I would say, with Atlanta? They definitely need some, some offense going there. LAFC are loaning Mario Gonzalez to Sporting de Gijon. And let's see if there's any other big news. Yeah, here we go. Galaxy are signing Miguel Berry from Atlanta United. So he is making the move. And that is some good work on the Galaxy to kind of to upgrade and retool. So those are kind of the big, big name transfers that have gone on to keep you up to speed with all things around the league. You can go over to MLSsoccer.com, click on their transfer tracker, and read all the details of of these articles, of these transfers, loans, moves, acquisitions, etc. Um, nothing has really jumped out, jumped out to me, but I think what we have seen a lot of these Eastern Conference teams do over the course of the summer transfer window is to really strengthen themselves and see what what they can do and make their runs second half of the season. We saw a lot of moves from Miami, obviously, uh, but we have seen teams like Columbus and Cincinnati uh, who are at the top of of the Eastern Conference or, you know, they're they're in their window. They're in their trophy window. They're not going to make a lot of moves. But what we haven't seen is the Chicago Fire do anything to try to elevate their status, to put them any closer to the playoff race. Now, Frank Klopas has said, we've got a DP striker coming in. I, I can't say anything right now because I can't say any specifics right now because, you know, of, of rules and all that sort of thing. But, you know, there'll be an announcement within the next couple of weeks. Um, again, this is more... Someone who spent their life with the Chicago Fire just talking fluff. And I'll believe it when I hear it. He might be right. He might be 100% right. And there's going to be some huge splash of a signing coming into Chicago. Being announced probably tomorrow morning. Right after, you know, I put out this podcast. But I'll believe it when I see it, Frank. I'll believe it when the guy's in Chicago in uniform and playing for you. That's when I'll believe that you have actually signed a new DP or high level striker. And with that, 
MLS and Chicago Fire fans. I will leave you to the rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Please make sure you rate, review, subscribe. We're on Good Pods. We're on iTunes. We're on Amazon. Google's going away. Google Podcast is going away. That is switching over to YouTube Music. But we are there as well, as well as just on YouTube generally. So we're out there. Share the link. Leave a rate and review. It's helping us move up in the standings, helping get some more listens, and above all, continuing conversation about soccer, the Chicago Fire, and MLS. Let's go fire.